Well, good morning and happy new year. Good to see you guys, and I truly mean it. It is good to see you guys. My flight back to Michigan got canceled yesterday due to all of the shenanigans in the airlines these days. So by God's grace, I was able to find a flight and got in last night at midnight. So it was really good, really, really good (laughs) to be here this morning. Uh, I'm excited to kick off uh, this new series together, The Art of Desperation. And so before we dive into God's word, let's pray. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus' name, uh, thanking you for your word, God. I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray that you would move me out of the way. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase and be made much of in your house today. God, I pray that you would speak to the people here and everyone at home and online. God, we need you. Uh, Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. God, you know our deepest needs even more so than we. And it's your mighty sons, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. A journalist by the name of Christine Felizar wrote an article titled, Seven Ways, uh, Seven Signs That You're Not a Priority in Your Relationship, and How to Change That. Uh, Before we get into it, I'm not trying to start any fights up in here. Uh, We have the marriage conference next month that's coming up, so this isn't necessarily a marriage talk. Uh, But when when I was reading this article, I was intrigued by number two on the list because it really made a ton of sense. Uh, Number two said, they forget to tell you about the important life decisions they've made. Not that they're making, not not what they're thinking about. Uh, It says, they forget to tell you about the important life decisions that they've made, uh, meaning that they are not bringing you into these big uh, moments in their lives. And that communicates that maybe, just maybe, you're not a priority in that relationship. Uh, um, she, She gets in more detail about this. She says, if your partner brings up the fact that they're leaving to take on a six months long project without consulting you first, then maybe your relationship might not have been on their mind when they decided to take on that project. That's, that's tough stuff. Kind of makes you cringe a little bit, if we're being honest. But that, that's, that's just an example of a person not being a priority in a relationship, and you can see that by the decisions that people make. But how often do we not include God in the decisions that we've made. How easy is it for us to tag him on at the end and, and, and hope that he would somehow just bless those, those plans? Uh, as we dive in the word today in James, we're going to see James speaking to a group of people about their plans. Uh, these, these people that he's speaking to have plans for the future. They've planned out their year. They know what they're going to do in, in the next year. They know what's going to happen. Uh, they know how much uh, money they're going to make off of, off of their different ventures. And he's saying, whoa, 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 hold up, pump the brakes, pause. James is speaking to a group of young Christians in Jerusalem. If you're not familiar with James, he's the half-brother of of Jesus, and he was the head of the church at Jerusalem. So he's speaking to relatively new Christians who are learning how to live out this new faith. So he's teaching them how to live. He's 
teaching them how to navigate trials and difficult times. He's uh, teaching them how to treat one another. But in this particular text, uh, he is challenging some of the very basic assumptions about life, which is they assume that they can forecast and plan out life and just execute it according to their own will. See, we assume a lot. We, we assume a lot. But what's uncomfortable and true, what's very uncomfortable and very true is that we know that we really don't know. We know that we don't know. And if the last couple of years has taught us anything, is that we know, we really know that we don't know. So God might get in your business a little bit with this text today, just like he was getting in these people's business. There might be some plans that you already have arranged. There might be tickets and flights that you've already booked. There may be some agreements that you've already signed. But my hope for you and me as we go into 2022 that we would have an open hand and that we would be flexible and moldable to God's will in our lives. Uh, whether you find yourself on a, uh, on a mountain peak or deep in a valley, my hope is for you that you would know that your heavenly father loves you and you're there uh, because of his providence and because of his grace and because of his goodness. Uh, James chapter verse 13. James says, now listen, now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This text kind of grabs you by the collar. He interjects into the life saying, now listen, this is an interruption. This is him inserting himself into their story and saying, pay attention. I know you have your bags packed and you are ready to go, but maybe, just maybe you don't have it all figured out after all. Maybe you don't know, all right? So that, that he's interrupting them. And the question that I have for us this morning is, can God interrupt you? Will you allow him to interrupt you? Here's the truth. God doesn't need our permission to interrupt us, but it goes far better for us when we allow him to and we, we accept that. So as we, we go a little deeper, he, he, he's, he's, he's uh, quoting them, what they're saying. He, they say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. Here's where they're getting in trouble. We will go. Not maybe, not the Lord wills that we go, but no, we will go. They are asserting a definite plan and they are so sure and so self-sufficient and so confident, and they're saying, we will go. There's, there's no room for an interruption, no, no room for God to shake things up or to insert himself into the story. No, we, we will. We will go. We will get. I know some of us, some of us planners, I'm a planner, 
Uh, <laughs> so I'm right there with you. This may make some of us who are planners a little uncomfortable because you're saying, well, hey, wait a minute. I have responsibilities. I have a job. I have kids. I have things that I oversee and have to overlook and manage. It. Manage. I have to plan. I need to plan. I need my calendar. I need my, 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 uh, my notes app. Like, I, I have to plan. I need to plan. The, the, the issue here isn't the planning. If you've read the, the scriptures, Old and New Testament, there is wisdom and counsel about planning. There's a lot of wisdom in the scriptures about wise stewardship of our resources and our times. So, so God isn't anti-planning. Don't hear me say that. But the issue is the pride beneath the plans that the people are setting uh, in James's day. The issue was their pride. See, pride plans before it prays and goes before it's sent. Pride plans before it prays, jots out the future, plots it all out. It plans before it prays and it goes before it's sent. It, it may be praise on the back end saying, God, please bless these plans that I haven't talked to you about until now. Amen. But here's, here's the big idea. God isn't against planning, but he does not endorse planning that leaves him out of the plan. God isn't against planning, but he does not, cannot, will not endorse planning that leaves him out of the plan. Once again, I know this may be making some of us uncomfortable. Hear me say this. The Lord isn't trying to rain on your parade. On your parade. He, he doesn't get a kick out of disrupting your plans. That's, that's not what this message is about. I'm not telling you to throw away your vision board and burn your calendar and delete your iCal app on your phone. I'm not, I'm not, this, that's not what this is about. All right. He, 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 he wants you to acknowledge, though, that you are limited. You and I do not have the capacity to forecast a life and execute it perfectly. We have limitations. We have weaknesses. We weren't created to do that. Uh, we were created by him to follow him uh, and to be, to be led by him. And so in, in, chapter, in verse 14, he speaks to some of these limitations. Uh, he says, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Friends, I'm there. I was in the airport yesterday. I did not know if I was going to be here this morning. True story. I recorded a, this sermon. I recorded it in the airport <laughs> yesterday. You guys were going to be watching me in a hoodie and a Michigan hat in the airport ter terminal somewhere trying to give this message. That's what really happened. <laughs> it says, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. What is your life? That's a question of self-assessment. Uh, that's meant for you and I to look inward and say, okay, what, what, truly, what truly is my life? He's sizing us up against eternity. He, he's sizing us up against God. It's saying in the grand scheme of things, I know you're, you're smart and you know a lot and you can figure things out, but in the grand scheme of things, you are a vapor that is here for a moment 
and then vanishes. What this is not is some kind of worm theology that says that you're worthless and that you don't matter. No, he's not saying that your life lacks value, but he is saying that your life has limits. Human life is brief. Human life is fragile. I want to be sensitive sensitive to this. uh, because sometimes we, we can have uh, worldly or man-made limits placed on us. I'm not talking about that. I know some of us have had very negative things spoken over us and to us. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Uh, but we all have limitations. We have physical limitations, and we get exhausted. We have emotional limitations. You ever heard of someone saying, I've reached my breaking point? That's because they've reached an emotional or a mental limitation. We have, we have intellectual limitations. We don't know everything. And God just wants us to embrace that. Uh, I'll be the first. I'll out myself. I have limitations. I'll just share one of them. I have many limitations. Uh, but one I'll share this morning is, is one that I know uh, that people can, can relate to. I've, I've looked at the, the data on it. I think it's definitely upward 60% of people in this, in this season are struggling with uh, anxiety and depression. Uh, in 2020, I officially was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Um, it, it is very real. It, it's, there were moments um, where it was debilitating. I couldn't do basic things, if I can be honest with you. It, it has been em- embarrassing at times to admit this. Uh, I, there were days where I couldn't even drive my car uh, because the anxiety had gripped me so, so strong. And so I uh, admitted that desperation and, and got help with that. And uh, when you're talking about something like depression and anxiety, people uh, come at that from different philosophies and worldviews. Uh, but I can say for me, uh, how I got help with that, I, of course, went to counseling. I needed somebody to walk with me through that. I had to admit to another person and sit across uh, the couch for, from them and say, I have a problem. I need your help. And that's not always easy for a pastor. We're used to speaking into other people's lives. Where I had to sit down and have someone speak into my life and admit that I indeed uh, was desperate. Um, I, I I had to get on medication, and I know that's controversial for some, uh, but that's what I needed. The human body produces a little chemical called serotonin. Well, my body doesn't naturally produce a lot of that. Serotonin gives you your happy feelings and help you, helps you stabilize your mood. Well, I have to, I have to take mine in a pill form. Um, I'm desperate. I'm messed up. <laughs> I need God. And sometimes I believe that's the reason why he called me to be a pastor anyway, because I'm messed up. <laughs> I'm desperate, and I need him. Um, but we're all desperate. We all have our weaknesses. I have my limits. You have your limits. But will we embrace them, or will we, or will we deny them? Will we embrace our desperation, or will we deny our desperation. Friends, few things, few things are more painful to watch than a person not embrace their desperation. It makes you just want to insert yourself and say, please let me help you. You shouldn't be doing that. Okay, you've done enough of that. Okay, maybe you need to do something else. Can't I help you? Please let me help you. A few things are more painful to watch than a person not embracing their desperation. And I believe that's the heart of this text. It isn't God trying to 
destroy your, your dreams for your plans and uh, make you think negatively of yourself. It's for you to embrace, you know what, I am limited and maybe I can't figure out my life on my own and maybe I do need to embrace that desperation. So James speaks to us, verse 15, he gives us, he gives us some, some godly wisdom in this text. So instead of denying your desperation, instead of assuming that you can figure it all out, he says, instead, you ought, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills, instead of asserting we will go, we will do, we will get, he says, say, if the Lord wills. Growing up, my mother would always would always uh, quote that to me. I'd be giving her my plans and sharing my ideas. I'm like, Mom, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go there. She's like, hold, hold up, hold up, Junior. She calls me Junior. Uh, hold up, Junior. If the Lord wills, you're going to go and do this or that. And I'll be like, oh, okay, Mom. I'll roll my eyes. If the Lord wills, sure. But, but it's not a semantics game. It's not a word. It's not a word uh, game here. Uh, this is about the posture of one's heart. Have you truly surrendered and submitted your life to God? And are you open to his interruptions? Are you open to his inconveniences? Are you open to his redirection? That, that's the posture of this. That's the, that's the heart of what he's getting at here. His, uh, James's original audience might have been offended because what he says next in verse 16 kind of sounds a little harsh. Like he, he, he comes at them at times like a football coach. He's kind of stern and direct as he's speaking to these young Christians in Jerusalem. Uh, but he, he, he's kind of direct in verse 16. He says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. He says, all such boasting is evil. He says, you're arrogant. Dang, James, what got into you this morning? It's a little harsh. I'm arrogant. I'm just, just trying to plan out my year. I'm just putting my vision board together. So I'm, I'm arrogant? He says, arrogant. We are limited and flawed, imperfect human beings. To attempt to construct a life without allowing God to speak into it the God of the universe, limited human being, God of the universe. Limited, flawed human, be human being, perfect God of the universe. <laughs> to attempt to plot out your life without seeking his will and his counsel is, is arrogant. So to make it a little bit more clear, sometimes you have, to, you have to see the standard in order to see how you're missing the standard. Jesus set the standard on how to live this out and how to do this. And we see him, uh, Matthew chapter five, we'll see him, him living this out in Matthew chapter four, I'm sorry, verses one through two. It says, and then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. Just to give you a little context of what's going on in this picture, uh, Jesus had just been baptized, 
uh, God had just affirmed him and said, and said, this is my son, my son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus was about to begin his earthly ministry. He had been, um, he only lived 33 years. At this point, he was around, he was 30. And before he begins his public ministry, he goes into the wilderness and fasts and prays for 40 days and 40 nights. Once again, God of the universe, God in the flesh, Jesus, the God-man, with all of the ability and capability and capacity in the world, all of the foresight in the world, before he goes into his public ministry, he pauses and prays and seeks the will of the Father before asserting himself into any kind of action. If God in the flesh, if Jesus has to pause and seek the will of God before he takes action, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we admit, admit our desperation? Why wouldn't we admit our need? Why wouldn't we say, you're right, God, this, this life is yours, and I need you to grab me by the hand and show me what to do and show me where to go? The, the reality is for a lot of us, we, never, we have never felt the freedom to be desperate. Maybe we're the one that everyone calls on for help. Maybe we've had to be the responsible one. Maybe it's difficult to admit a weakness. Maybe it's far more easier to save face and to deny my limitations than it is to embrace them. Maybe we're very confident in our ability to do certain things, so we don't really feel like we need uh, that much help. I think for a lot of us, there are things that we're comfortable with managing, and we're like, okay, we got that, we got that. But there, and there are other things that we're like, okay, God can handle that, uh, but there are things that I feel comfortable with managing. So we compartmentalize our life that way. kind of goes like this. We say there are things that are God's business, he has that. But these are the things that I can manage. Uh, th this is my business, so I have that. And then we have the miscellaneous junk drawer of life. We don't know who manages that stuff, but it's just stuff we've junked down in there. Then we have other people's business. We're like maybe we just stay away from that altogether because that's their stuff. It kind of goes like this. I can admit I'm desperate for something, so, so God, that's yours. So you give God his stuff, like the weather. God, this is you. You can control the weather. We pray about the weather. Like, that's yours, God. Please, why, why did you make it snow this weekend? Can you please dry the, you know, dry the snow up, God? That's yours. It's your business. So we give them some stuff. Crisis moments. You know, this is, this is yours. I need you to handle the, the crises in my life. So we give them that. Maybe that's, that's God's stuff. Um, this one is like church stuff, whatever that is. You just handle church stuff. You handle all of the church stuff, God. That's yours. Christmas is yours. Thanks for Christmas. All right, that's, that's the God stuff. Here is my business. This is the stuff I either feel like I'm competent to handle this or I feel like I just have to handle it because who else is going to handle it? Uh, my career aspirations, like that's mine. I figured that out. I might bring God into it on the back end, but that's, that's mine. Dating, relationships, marriage, 
you know, that's mine. I'll, I'll figure that out. Family, that's, that's my, my area. I manage that. Money, you know, that's mine to hold on to. I'll be, I'll be keeping that one, you know, that's... that's <laughs> What about, what's in this junk drawer? This is the junk drawer of life. This is the stuff I don't know. you like, I don't know who cares about this. I don't really care about it. Just put it in there, and I don't know what to do with this. I've kind of stuffed this stuff down, and I maybe even hope it, it, I never have to deal with it. And that miscellaneous, we find our past hurts and trauma there. Some of us stuff it down. Memories that we don't ever want to think about again. We, we, we stuff it down in that miscellaneous, and it can kind of take on a life of its own. We stuffed the Detroit Lions down in there. <laughs> Lord, I don't know what's going on with them. We're just going to keep them <laughs> in miscellaneous. <laughs> Our health, right? I don't, I don't know who's supposed to manage that. I don't have time to manage that. So we, we can stuff that, and that stuff can take on a life of its own. In other people's business, and we're like, I got enough going on. So if anything from here comes my way, I don't know if I have time for that, right? We, 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 pains and losses around us. Sometimes we can say, I don't know if that has anything to do with me, somebody else's pain or loss. You know, that's their business or needs around me. It's easy to just chunk that away as other people's business. And we compartmentalize this way. Some things I got, some things God got, and some things nobody, nobody has. But the reality is, this is an illusion. This is a myth. These compartments, they don't really even exist. This is all God's. It all belongs to him. And he has a plan for all of it. And he wants to invite you into his plan for it instead of trying to jam God into your plan. He, don't, he doesn't want to be jammed into my plan. But he has a plan for it all. He invites you into it. Over the next few weeks, we have an opportunity together as a congregation just to say, God, it's all yours. This life is yours. I submit and surrender to your plan for it. And this isn't the only way to do it, but this is one way to do it. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be doing 21 days of prayer and, and fasting together as a congregation. And this is just one way of saying, God, 2022 is yours. And hear me say this, and uh, I think I speak for, for us all here at the staff when I say this. This isn't some kind of legalistic thing that you have to do or anything like that, so don't hear it that way. But whether you do this or you take another action step, I just want to encourage you to step into this year open-handed and to admit that you're desperate and admit that you need him and allow him to lead your life and, and take steps in that this year. So if you did want to do this, just pick up the guide. Uh, you can join me on the breathing room and others on the breathing room in, in our Facebook group online. If you're not familiar with that, there's a group that we'll meet once a week and we'll just uh, get in there to support one another in this as we go. I also just want to encourage you, you can text, um, you can text uh, 21 days to 248-965-4776. That, that way you can get the daily devotions and texts 
And then lastly, you can pick one of the various forms of, of fasting. Uh, there are various ways you can go about doing that. But like I said, this isn't the only way to uh, begin the year by asserting, God, that this is yours. But this is one way to go about doing it. At the end of the day, we, we can't manage this life on our own. If you're in here, I know you've tried and failed. I'm in here. I've tried and failed. So as we go into 2022, I just want to encourage us to accept his invitation into his plan. So I just want to pray for us. Let's, let's go into a time of prayer. God, I come to you in your mighty son's Jesus' name. God, first and foremost, confessing that I'm desperate and that I need you. I, I need you very much so. Yesterday, being stuck in the airport was just a small indicator for me, even, of how desperate I am. And I just pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that you would give them the, the freedom to embrace their need for you. It's not, it's not easy to trust it's not easy to believe that we can depend on someone, uh, but I pray that everyone here knows that they can trust you. God, specifically, I want to pray for those who don't know you and don't have a relationship with you. I pray today that all under the sound of my voice, whether here in person or online, who don't know you, Father God, would accept your invitation to lead their lives. And I just want to pray for you. And, and repeat after me if that's you, if you've never accepted that invitation. Father, I come to you in your son Jesus' name, admitting that I'm desperate and I cannot lead my own life. I confess that I'm a sinner in desperate need of your, your saving grace. I accept you in my life as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.